welcome to episode 15 of Sisters Coffee and Crime. I'm Sandra. And I'm Christina. Today's episode is about the murders that Dylan Millard and Mark Smith committed. Join us while we discuss what happened. So today's case was actually supposed to just be about Laura Babcock, but I couldn't make it flow without talking about the other crimes that happened. So first I'm going to tell you a little bit about Dylan Millard. His grandfather and father owned an aviation company named Millard Air, and it was basically Dylan's to inherit. He was supposed to run it after they passed. Dylan was the youngest person to fly a helicopter and small plane by himself. There's footage of him being interviewed when he was 12 years old after he took flight, and he explains like what it's like to fly a plane. Okay. As he got older, he didn't stay on a great path. Money, drugs, and partying really controlled his whole life. By his 20s, he was a college dropout and a regular drug user. One of Dylan's friends, who remained anonymous in an interview that I watched on the Fifth Estate, said, quote, he has a godlike complex. He thought he was untouchable, end quote. He started stealing cars, and his close friends were all involved in criminal behavior. His lifestyle attracted a certain group of people, and one man named Mark Schmidt became fast friends with him. From everything that I read, it seems like at one point Millard Air had money. Right, yeah. But I he remember. stopped like he stopped having flights actually go out and he just started draining the company of money. Right. At some point the hangar was just there for cars that he stole and projects that he was working on. It wasn't really it wasn't doing anything, it wasn't making a profit. Right. Now, Dylan meets Laura Babcock in a Toronto bar. They had a fling for about a month. And after their fling was over, they never, like, cut ties. In every article that I found about Laura, it describes a friendly, loving woman, someone full of life and energy. She was born to a middle-class family in Toronto. She took art and drama in university. Laura wanted to be an actress. One big thing known about Laura was that she was always attached to her phone. She would stay in touch with family and friends constantly. Right. It said that sometimes she would call them up to 20 times a day. Wow. Yeah. Like I said before, they dated for about a month and stayed friends. Laura was really attracted to Dylan's life, which happened... I think everyone that hung around him was attracted to his lifestyle. They liked the parties, the house... And he paid for everything. Right. So they really didn't know him. They just were kind of with him because he spent a lot of money. Exactly. And like one of the many, she kind of always just hung out at Dylan's place. And reading all the information, I don't know if it's like these people actually liked him, like you were saying, or if they just liked what they could get from him. Right. Maybe both. I don't know. I mean, I think so, yeah. Now, Laura did move on romantically. She started dating a man named Sean Lerner, and he was a stand-up guy. He was dependable, responsible, and he loved Laura. They were together for about a year and a half, and after they broke up, they would remain friends as well, which I think kind of speaks to Laura. Like, it shows that she has, like, a big heart. She's a gentle person. So Sean throws Laura a 22nd birthday party, and he invites Dylan, and he invites... Dylan's soon-to-be girlfriend, Christina Nugent. Now, there's a lot of animosity between these two women. And a year after this party, 
Christina will send Laura a text that says, Happy birthday. A year ago today, I slept with Dylan. And Laura answers, That's fine. I slept with him a few weeks ago. There obviously is not love lost between these two. Right. Now, Laura doesn't, isn't without her own problems. She's dealing with mental health issues. There's documentation of hundreds of doctors' visits for anxiety and depression. Okay. Laura also couldn't find full-time work, so a friend suggests that she be an escort, which mm-hmm. she did a few times because she couldn't get a job. And at some point, she's homeless, and she stays with her friends a lot. And now Laura is th- 23 years old. In April of 2012, there are texts from Dylan to Laura, and one states, You are harmful to me. Please don't try to contact me. The very next day, he texts his girlfriend, Christina, and it says, First, I'm going to hurt her. Then I will make her leave. I will remove her from our lives. Wow. As I said, she was sleeping at her friend's places, and sometimes she would lean on her friend, Sean Lerner. He was always there for Laura, for Laura. From all accounts, Sean was very supportive. At one point, he gifted her with an iPad uh, just for her to use. He put her up at hotels, and he would make sure that it was a hotel that she could stay at with her dog. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, so you can see he's just a really nice person. Mm-hmm. Around the time that Laura, Around this time, Laura gets back in contact with Dylan, I guess after those texts especially the one that he sent his girlfriend saying that he's going to remove her from his life. They kind of lost contact. Okay. But now they're back in contact. Okay. And they exchange a lot of texts and phone calls. In in the last days uh, that we know Laura was alive, Mm -hmm. they exchanged 110 calls and texts. Wow. On July 3rd, 2012, Dylan and Laura are going to meet up at Kipling Subway Station. Mm -hmm. And... Cell phone data proves that they go to Dylan's house from there. At 7 p.m., Laura checks her voicemail, and then communication from Laura stops. But only on her end. She continues to get messages and texts for months after that. Okay. But she never answers any of them, mm-hmm. which is... Weird, because her phone was always on her. Calling people always, 20 times yeah, a day. And she was always responding, sure. And Laura's basically never seen again, and there's no activity on her bank card or her health card, which someone who had hundreds of doctor's visits for depression and anxiety... Wouldn't, wouldn't miss them. Yeah. Okay, I got it. And the last eight calls that Laura made were all to Dylan. On, and on that day, July 3rd, Dylan texts his buddy Mark, and it says, I'm on a mission. I hate this guy so much. Within days of Laura falling off the grid, her ex Sean Lerner... Reports her missing to Toronto Police. Right, I remember this, yeah. Well, he tries to report her missing mm-hmm. because they inform Sean that Laura is a high-risk person and that she'll just turn up. Right, so because of her background. Yeah, her mental was, health issues. Yeah, she was dismissed by the police. And Sean can't handle that, so he actually starts to investigate it. Mm-hmm. He goes ahead and gets her phone records. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he obtained her phone records, but he did it. Right. And he sees that Dylan was the the last eight phone calls. Right. And he literally just starts calling people on her phone on her list. list. Yeah. He goes back to police and says, "Hey, right. guys, you guys should look at this." But the police don't question Dylan, and they don't file anything for Laura Babcock. Right. We know a few things that Dylan did right before and after Laura went missing. 
In May, before Laura goes missing, Dylan tells a worker at his aviation company to build an incinerator. When this doesn't work, Dylan orders one. He names it The Eliminator, which makes me sick to my stomach. Mm-hmm. July 2nd, the day before Laura goes missing, Dylan buys a thirty two caliber handgun. Wow. And the iPad that Laura has was connected to Dylan's computer. And the day after she went missing, it was renamed Mark's iPad. Obviously, Dylan had given it to Mark. Mm-hmm. And that same afternoon, a disturbing picture is saved on Dylan's phone. It shows a rolled-up blue tarp, and his dog is sitting beside it. And everyone believes that Laura was in there. Okay. And that incinerator will get used after they practiced and tested it on July 25th. And the text that Dylan sends Mark is really disgusting. It says, Barbecue has run its warm-up. It's ready for meat. Yeah. At 10.23 that night... 20 days after we believe that Laura was killed, Dylan Googles what temperature a cremation is done at. He also takes a picture of Mark at Millard Air. Uh, He's holding like a rake. It's a tool that he would have used in the incinerator. Okay. And he also takes a video, and it shows sparks coming off of the incinerator. Mm -hmm. And later, forensic investigators will say that those sparks would have been caused by human remains. Oh, really? Yeah, it's believed that that's the video of Laura's body burning. Jeez. The next day, Mark writes a song about Laura's death and records it on her iPad. And the song states lyrics about burning a body and throwing a phone into the lake. I'm going to actually play his song. Okay. Or part of it anyways. Bitch started off all skin and bone. Now the bitch lay on some ashy stone. Last time I saw us outside the home. And if you go swimming, you can find a phone. Find a phone? What? What? Find a phone. If you go swimming, you can find a phone. Find a phone. Find a phone. You can find a phone. If you go swimming, you can find a phone. Bitch. As you can hear, he's a very good rapper. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I know. Honestly, these two are unreal to me. They take photos and videos while cremating a body. And Mark is not only making music about this, horrible music, by the way. Right. But he shares it with his friends, and he goes a step further and tells people that he helped to kill Laura. No one believes him, okay. or at least that's what they say afterwards. Right. But they have no, like, sense of conscious nothing. No, it doesn't sound like it. Now, Wayne Millard... Dylan's father dies November 29th of 2012 and he apparently they rule it a suicide and it happens really early on like they show up at the house and like oh he committed suicide right and Dylan wastes no time cremates the body and nothing will be suspected by police well it's suspected by people around them but nothing is suspected police police until much later the case that kind of leads police to look at Dylan and Mark, is the murder of Tim Bosma. Tim was a family man. He's from Ancaster, was from Ancaster, Ontario. He worked as a contractor, and he has a wife named Charlene, and they had a baby girl together. She was two when this happened. Right. Tim drove a Dodge Ram diesel truck, and it was just starting to be way too expensive for the family, so they decided to sell it. On May 6, 2013... 
Tim has two prospective buyers, and they were supposed to show up late afternoon, and by 6 p.m., they still haven't shown up. Right. By 9, Dylan and Mark show up at the Bosma household to take the truck for a test drive. The way they show up is weird because they show up on foot. Right. And the couple is just really put off by them. Charlene tells Tim that he has to go with them on this test drive. Because in her mind, the worst case scenario is that they're going to steal the truck. Of course, yeah. And even though these two feel like this couple, like Mark, is it Mark? Yeah, sorry. Now, even though Charlene and Tim have a really bad feeling about them, mm-hmm. they still go through with trying to sell the car. And after about an hour, Charlene starts to call Tim's phone, and it keeps on going straight to voicemail. Right. She's like, something's wrong. This can't be right. He would not pick up his phone. So she calls police. I'm going to play you a little bit of what Charlene says, her like plea to the public. It was just a truck. It is just a truck. So at this point, police and Charlene think that it's just a ploy to steal the car and that Tim's alive. The thought is that they stole his truck and they stashed Tim somewhere, but he's alive. This night is going to be put together using video footage. Tim's truck is seen followed by a black SUV and it goes to Millard Air. The pickup truck is seen towing a heavy piece of equipment and then there are two men seen walking into the hangar, which we know is... Um, Dylan and Mark. Right. On the video, you see that something erupts into flame, and it's now known that that's the incinerator. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it all happened in one night. Tim got into the car, he was murdered, and they burnt his body. Right. It's Obviously, they had a plan, and they... It was premeditated, absolutely. Of course. The Toronto police get a tip early on from a man um, from the GTA saying that two guys actually test drove his truck okay and he said that it was really weird he thought that like they seemed threatening like they wanted to do something okay but uh i don't think that they believed that they could take him so they didn't do it okay and he says that one of them had a tattoo that says ambition on his arm and that's dylan's mm-hmm. tattoo and this guy gives the police the names of dylan all of dylan's name i know that they gave him and Dylan is put under surveillance. And there was also, um, it didn't stay in the Fifth Estate interview, but I remember someone from that worked at Millard Air actually mm-hmm. I remember gave the same a tip thing. about it. Yeah. Now the police put Dylan under surveillance, and when they arrest Dylan, he still has Tim Bosma's car keys in his pocket. The police find... Uh, the police find a trailer at Dylan's mother's house, and inside is Tim's car. Mm-hmm. And they also find shell casings with Dylan's prints on it. And after testing the car with luminol, it's just covered in blood. Clearly, someone tried to clean up. Right. Now, police really need to find whatever that heavy piece of equipment was. And they saw on, on the video from the night of Tim's abduction, you know, the one that... Erupted into flames. We know that it's the incinerator. Yeah. And they do get sort of a break, and they just happen to pull over some man who's driving on an ATV near the Millard property. Okay. And this guy's name is Chaz Main. Okay. 
And they just ask him, have you seen anything weird around? And he says, yeah, actually I have. And they lead him right to... He leads them right to it? Right to the eliminator because it's just on the property. Mm-hmm. And inside of the eliminator, I can't even believe I have to say that, they open it and they find the remains of Tim Bosma. It's now believed that this was the exact same way they got rid of Laura Babcock mm-hmm. a year earlier. Right, but that won't come out for a while, It's right? during, like, I, like, in that waiting period. Mm-hmm. I think, like, once they had charged him with Tim Bosma's murder, somebody was like, oh, wait, remember that from a year ago? Right, okay. Or maybe Sean Lerner brought it up. I don't really know how that happens. Okay. But Dylan and Mark get charged with first-degree murder of Tim Bosma. Now... And now it's when Toronto police start their whole investigation of Laura Babcock and subsequently Wayne Millard. Right, his dad, yeah. Right. The saddest part of all this, I think, is that Tim Bosma had to die for them to look at the other murders. Yeah. And that's, like, would those murders have had any resolution? Right. But finally, Toronto police do charge Mark and Dylan with the murder of Laura Babcock. And they just charged Dylan with the murder of Wayne. Okay. Um, in June of 2016, Dylan and Mark are found guilty of first-degree murder with no parole for at least 25 years. Mm-hmm. And in late 2017, five years after Laura's disappearance, it's finally her turn to find some justice. Mm-hmm. Laura's case is all based on circumstantial evidence. And like every great narcissist, Dylan represents himself. Of course. Really? Right, yeah. He's such... Oh. Mark had representation, but Dylan... Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Toronto police also get hold of letters that Dylan sent to his girlfriend, Christina Nugent, and basically he's telling her what to do in regards to Laura. Like, in Laura's case. And after every letter, he was like, burn this letter. But she didn't. She kept them. Because she's an idiot, too? Oh, yeah. They all are. Yeah. I know she, like, wipes down the incinerator, the, like, the handles and right. stuff. She, Wasn't there also talk that the mom helped to clean yeah, the trailer? to clean the trailer. The defense says that without a body, that there's no proof that Laura's actually dead. That's their big defense with Laura Hapcock. Okay. Uh-huh. But what kind of things do they have? Well, in Mark's house, they find a red duffel bag, and it has Laura's name on the little tag, mm-hmm. and her iPad that was changed from her name to Mark's right, name. Right. And that song that he wrote. Yeah. I don't know what you what you can defend that that's about. Mm-hmm. And at the end, the two men are convicted of first degree murder and the sentence is twenty five years before any chance of parole. Okay. And now in the case of Wayne Millard, because they said that he committed suicide, which I don't know how they said he committed suicide, because he was shot in the eye and it said that they believe that Dylan shot him in the eye while he was asleep I don't know why you would commit suicide and shoot yourself in the eye I mean I don't know I have no idea it just sounds like they just didn't do an investigation like they just brushed it aside and they're like yeah. I, I don't want to deal with this yeah he shot him in the face okay he committed suicide yeah. that's what it sounds like which is yeah. horrible right but same in with Laura's case it was just kind of like Oh, well, she has uh, mental health issues, so don't worry about it. She'll come back. Just and give her some that, time. And the fact that, like, I don't... It was known that she was an escort. Yeah. Yeah. You know that they don't care about mm-hmm. 
yeah. anyone in that sort of field. Right. And police do catch a lot of heat after Laura's case because from the very beginning, Sean Lerner gave them the name of Dylan Laura. Right, right. And they don't follow up on it. Nobody ever, ever questioned Dylan at that time. So that's it. That's the case of Wayne Millard, Laura Babcock, and Tim Bosma. And these three people died by the hands of some crazy, entitled people. I think it's safe to say that Dylan and Mark won't be getting out of jail anytime soon. So remember to check us out on Instagram at sisters.coffee.and.crime and on Twitter at sisters underscore crime. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. This is Christina and Sandra. Talk soon.